You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman had shown Gotham the true colors. son? You are my son. And I have to believe that you were sent here for a reason. And even if it takes the rest of your life, you owe it to yourself to find out what that reason is. How do you find someone who has spent a lifetime covering his tracks? For some, he was a guardian angel. For others, a ghost who never quite fit in. You will give the people of Earth an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. Your son is safe. I will find him! My father believed if the world found out who I really was, they'd reject me. He was convinced that the world wasn't ready. What do you think? Welcome, citizens of Gotham, to the Eternal Night, a podcast dedicated to the world's greatest detective, the Dark Knight of the DC Universe, Batman. I am your host. You all know my voice. My name is Philip Barker, better known as Unfiltered. You can follow me along on any social media platform. Just at, look for Unfiltered, U-N-P-H-I-L-T-E-R-E-D-D-D on Twitter, Vero X. No, I'm not on X, not anymore. Sorry, that was a mistake. <laughs> I meant threads. Totally meant threads and blue sky. 
Um, and that chuckly voice you just heard was my longtime heroic co-host, Mr. Craig Blaylock, who you can also find on threads and Instagram. Craig Omega, Craig underscore Omega, sorry. Craig, my guy, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm excited. We're going we're gonna to be talking something that's very near and dear to my heart. I feel like we were just in the cave talking about it, too. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's it feels like so long ago we were just in the cave talking about this very thing we're about to talk about no uh yes we are in the cave again talking uh through our very first dc extended universe film retrospective and that film is man of steel now as we outlined in our very first retro well not very first i guess you could probably call it episode zero of the retrospectives we outlined things that we will be talking about more or less um, but it, on the whole, this, this, this journey of sorts is to just kind of reminisce and remember the beauty and the not-so-beautiful things about the DC Extended <laughs> Universe. We're going through it movie by movie, and that means we're going by movie by movie also in release order. And that means the first film on the list is, of course, Man of Steel, directed by Zack Snyder with a story script credit from Christopher Nolan and David S. Goyer. Actually, let me just double check that information really quick. But Craig, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, no, and let it, yeah, let... you had it. You had it. Directed by Zack Snyder, a story by David S. Goyer, Christopher Nolan, and the screenplay was David S. Goyer. There we go. Okay, so I had my eggs. I had my eggs in a bit of a row there. But yes, um, that's that's the thing, right? Like like a lot of people kind of tend to gloss over the fact that Christopher Nolan and David Goyer were heavily involved with the making of mm-hmm. this movie, and then going forward, the rest of the universe they are predominantly absent. Yep. But yeah, this movie actually turns 11, 11 years old this upcoming June, which is crazy, crazy. to think about because the DCEU is now uh, technically 11 years old with the beginning of this movie. So it, it all kind of starts from here. This is, this is the seed that planted the tree that would be the DC Extended Universe. Yeah, and what a seed. What a seed indeed. I, I make no bones about it. Like for me, I know um, in our retrospective of the DCEU, you said with your ranking of the dceu films uh the snyder films you know you kind of jump around based on your mood how you're feeling you know is bbs number one is man of steel number one it can it kind of all fluctuates there in your top three uh, for me it's just hands down man of steel is my number one dceu it has been since the beginning and just for me has not yet been topped snyder's justice league comes very very close but just for me, again, I grew up, my first introduction to superhero films as a kid, again, I was born in 85, was the Superman, uh, Christopher Reeves films. So Superman is very near and dear to my heart. So like Man of Steel just, it really hits with me. It hit with me back then. It still hits with me now man of steel is my number one and just i i love this film i echo everything you just said but i think my origin with this movie is a little bit different than yours so obviously being a batman fan i grew up loving batman he's my favorite character of all time my favorite fictional character ever created and my love for that character largely stems from batman the animated series as well as the first feature film i saw in theaters which was batman forever yep but when I would watch Batman, the animated series, since I was born in 92, and by the time I was watching TV as a young kid in 96, 97, 98, 99, I grew up in the era of the DC animated universe, 
uh-huh. things being shown. So I had the luxury of watching Batman the Animated Series, and then it turned into the new Batman Adventures, which was then accompanied by the Superman Adventures. Yep, which eventually evolved to Justice League. Or is it Superman the Animated Series? Either way, like that. But you're right. Yeah, you're on the right track. It would culminate and evolve into Justice League, and then Justice League Unlimited, accompanied yep. with Batman Beyond as well. So for me, you know, my my version, or rather my affinity for Superman, really doesn't stem from the live action side of things per se. It actually stems and leans heavily more towards the the, uh, the animation side. Um, I was also shown the. Uh, the Fleischer Studios Superman at a very young age as well. So my mm, perception yeah. my perception of the character for as far as Superman goes, um, you know, a lot of people really cling to the, the whole Truth, Justice, American Way version of the character, and I've never really been about that, even, yeah. even as a younger kid, when, when that, that meant something a little more than it does mean now. So to me, Superman's always just been this, this very world-saving character more so than just the hero metropolis often as he's often depicted so for me when it came to man of steel i think we were talking we've talked about this off mic before you know i i wasn't necessarily like the biggest superman fan at all if at all mm-hmm. like leading leading up to man of steel i was actually very jaded and 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 almost snotty towards the idea of like oh another superman movie this is mind you after seeing superman returns yeah. Like that, the Superman Returns was the first movie, I, first Superman movie I saw in a movie theater, and that was. And I am sorry for that. It was not a. I mean, it wasn't terrible. You know what I mean? Like I, I saw it with my uncle, my uncle's friend, my two cousins, and their friend Marcus. And I just remember kind of walking out of the movie, and I I didn't really feel much of anything at all. Like I was just like, okay, that was a movie I watched, and yeah. um, like we're kind of walking out and talking about it, and my uncle's just kind of shooting the shit with his friend Mike about it. And then just out of out of the blue, my older my older cousin just kind of goes, "Well, at least Kevin Spacey made a great Lex Luthor." Mm. And I kind of turned around at that, at, even at like the age of fourteen, and I was like, "No, Mm-mm. no, he wasn't. He wasn't he that was great not. at all." If I'm being brutally honest, nope. Because I mean, you know, my my version of Superman. I don't even, even I don't even like saying it like that because I don't have any ownership over the character. But like I guess the, the better way to say it would be the, the 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 Superman I identify with the most would probably be like you know the animated series version with Clancy Brown as Lex Luthor as well. But I also grew up watching reruns of Super Friends when I would stay at my grandma's house over uh, weekdays after school or even on the weekends sometimes. You know it would always be in circulation on Boomerang. So the 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 version of of Superman and Lex Luthor that I was always accustomed to was you know he he had the side of him that he was very direct and very cold and calculating the way that clancy brown delivered the lines for him yeah but then you also get the the older super friends version where he's always decked out in purple he's got a ray gun he's like bah, ha, 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 i'm the leader <laughs> of the legion of doom ha, ha, yeah. right like the very creepy mad scientist type of character where he's also the leader of legion of doom that was that was just the version that that i recall growing up so to me lex Luthor has never been like this this one or the other type of character which is funny because Lex Luthor isn't even in Man of Steel. Yeah. Well, he's he's alluded to, but he's not. Yeah, they allude alluded. to him, but you don't ever see him. Right, right. And, like, even going into this movie, I was, like, very nose in the air at the time because I was in college and I just started reading comic books and I was just in this very, you know, this, this very um, angsty, rebellious, egotistical headspace where if it wasn't like the comic, I wasn't going to give a shit. Yeah, and see, am I in going into this film <laughs> as someone who, yeah, Batman uh, is still my absolute favorite 
superhero but superman i just there was something about superman growing up as a little kid just seeing reeves and seeing like him bite zod and that kind of stuff and then to get the animated series superman was great and to be so let down from superman returns i mean i tell you man i came out of that like how you came out and you were like yeah okay that wasn't that that great i came out of that film the same way i grew up a huge godzilla fan as a kid Ooh. i i loved godzilla all the way through i've watched all the godzilla movies it sucked that like in the 90s uh toho didn't really bring a lot of the godzilla films over but i had all i was always looking at like magazines and stuff and like seeing these awesome godzilla films and i'm like man i really want them to come over here and then word comes out that like yeah there's gonna be a new godzilla film in america and i'm like oh my god and then the trailers come out and i'm like yes this is awesome i'm finally gonna get to see godzilla on the big screen and it was 98 godzilla and i came out of that film just even as young as i was i walked out of that film and my cousin was like well that was pretty cool i, I enjoyed that and i was like that was one of the worst effing things i've ever seen in my life what are you talking about? <laughs> that was bad, one huh? of the most atrocious films i have ever seen it is a slap in the face to everything godzilla it's the matthew broderick one if i'm not mistaken that is yeah. the matthew broderick one that's a lot of fish yeah Ugh. yeah but yeah. yeah so i came out of superman returns not quite as vitriolic but man i came out of that like that was a complete waste of time. What in the the only things that I liked out of Superman Returns was Brandon Ruth killing it as Superman. I thought he was a great choice. And that the scene where he's he stops the plane from crashing into the baseball field. Yeah, that's the scene. That's that talks about. about it. Yeah. Well, it's the only everything scene that else that's... in that film is just forgettable. I mean, even Kate Bosworth as Lois Lane is pretty forgettable too. Atrocious. They they gave her no direction. I honestly just kind of look at that movie and I, God, even talking about Brian Singer is like almost talking like Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. But this, it, you know, they're two peas of the same pod more or less. But like, it's weird because I can look at Superman Returns and be like, "Yep, that was a movie that happened." But then I also like recognize there are things that are in that movie that are like, okay, yeah, this is actually fairly close to, to Superman lore in some respects. And there are other elements that are obviously very inspired by the Christopher Reeve era. Cause obviously mm-hmm. that, that film in and of itself is essentially, you know, you forget about Superman three and four quest for peace. And then you do this movie is like, it was almost the first, um, what is it? Requel? Requel. Requel. Yeah, I would um, agree. Yeah, it was. I, yeah, I think you're right. It's might've been like, the first attempted requel yeah cause, in, in cinema because in like modern cinema now you've got like uh you know the scream. halloween scream hollywood 2018 you know a lot of horror films are kind of picking up on the trend now but back yep. in 2006 like superman returns was like the very first requel more or less mm-hmm. and it's very interesting to think about that but getting into man of steel like i like i said a friend of mine in college kind of turned me on to the idea because at first, like, seeing Christopher Nolan's name attached to that didn't really do much for me. I used to be a very, very critical of, of that man as a director and writer and producer. So when, when word got out that that he was producing this film and the approach they took to it, I was like, oh, great. We're going to get, 
you know, Superman that's just going to be able to jump tall buildings and, you know, just kind of pound people to to a pulp and that's going to be the, that's going to be the end of it. And yeah. it's like, no, 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 no. The idea is that this is what if Superman were presented to the real world. And I was like, to our, to our real, right. to the, the world that we actually live in. Right. And then you see the, you know, the first couple trailers and you're just like, wow. Mm-hmm. This this actually looks really incredible. Like the the suit looks great. The guy in the suit looks great. Henry Cavill didn't know he would blow up the way that he did in, in the role because yep. this role was easily the one that that set his career off. And it just they brought uh, Hans Zimmer in to do. They the did. Sound. They really yeah, did. Just, uh... I don't know. Like when I think about this movie and I I think about the night I saw it, I was the the further I, the the closer I got to release, the more excited for it I got. Mm-hmm. Because obviously, in 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 wake of the Avengers, and me being a DC fan, I was like, yeah, I, I really want DC to have something similar to this, and and this this film feels like it would be a good launching point for that. Yep, more or less. And you know, coming out of that movie, coming out of Man of Steel, I was just blown away, like just absolutely just knocked on my ass, blown away. You know, like I I was just because this is the year of you know, you had Iron Man 3, Man of Steel, and Thor The Dark World. Those were the three big comic book films of mm-hmm. 2013. And I did not like Iron Man 3 nope. at all at the time. I'm still not very hot on that movie. Like, it, it's gotten a little bit of redemption due to Shang-Chi. But other than that, I, I really don't like Iron Man 3 all that much. Um, Thor The Dark World, it's, it's a fine movie. I, I'm, I'm not going to vehemently defend it, but I, I also won't tolerate any trash talk especially after thor love and thunder and thor ragnarok have been made so um yeah yeah i I mentioned that before like i wasn't i wasn't a big fan of the thor movies originally like thor and thor dark world but after ragnarok and especially after love and thunder i look back on those films and go yeah you're you guys are pretty good you're pretty on track there oh yeah oh kenneth kenneth brown can direct a hell of a thor movie Given that and everything Alan Taylor had to endure during the shoots and reshoots of, of Thor Dark World, just man, hats off to him. But, like, yep. you know, when it comes to comic book films of 2013, Man of Steel is the winner. Leagues and bounds. No questions asked. It is, it is, well, it is also a Zack Snyder movie, so there's that too. But I, 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 still, I still remember, and I still tell people go on YouTube and watch Man of Steel official trailer three. Yeah, that is one of my absolute favorite movie trailers of all time. That move, that trailer sets the tone for the film. It is mesmerizing, and it just gets you so energetic and excited for this film. Oh, I can't disagree at all. Like that, that third trailer set the stage for for what you were really coming to expect. And that, this is also in the heyday where where I also remember back then this is in the heyday of super marketing no pun intended mm-hmm. when, when movies would get marketed to high hell like oh all over the place big budget <laughs> blockbuster superhero beat-em-ups would get yep. marketed to high hell and this one had like i think 11 different tv spots that you yep. can look up on youtube at any given yeah. point in time on top of the three trailers right yep so this is this is in a peak time during comic book films where they marketed the hell out of everything they could if they felt they had a banger 
Yeah, and this was right around the time we were kind of starting to transition to cable kind of dying out right. and streaming kind of taking over. So mm-hmm. yeah, the t- the TV spots were everywhere. They were Yeah. I mean, I had cable back then and it was just very it was surprising. It was very surprising mm-hmm. to see, you know, you do, you know, you turn on TNT and almost every other commercial break was well, not every yeah. other, but like every hour yeah. on the hour was like a commercial yep. break. You got a Man of Steel TV spot, and it was like, whoa, yep, awesome. But you know, like this this movie, man, this movie does so many things. And I honestly, I have very very few criticisms, if not just small nitpicks about this movie that I I just that have never not necessarily sat well with me, but just things I noticed where I was like, I don't really like that that much. Yeah. Um... I know that we had kind of talked about it like with these retrospectives we would kind of do like the good the bad and the ugly right i can i can be very honest on this one and again that's might just be my bias because of how much i enjoy this film i have i don't really think i really have many bads and i know for sure for me personally i have no uglies i don't think there's anything ugly in this film at all particularly Mm -hmm. i don't even necessarily think there's anything bad in it either um and even as like as far as accomplishments and disappointments there isn't really anything I'm disappointed by. If there was one thing I really just didn't like about Man of Steel, there's one point in the third act in the final fight between Zod and Kal-El. And I believe it's right as, you know, right as Superman's staring down Zod at the bit, from the top of the building to the base of the building, and, and, Cal, and, and General Zod goes, this ends one way, Cal, either you die or I do. And then, for whatever reason, instead of just, like, moon jumping up the building as you see later... Zod is like crawling up at like a an iguana or a gorilla yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. And that scene, I every single time I watch it, I'm just like, it does look silly. <laughs> it looks kind of goofy, and, yeah, it it, does. and I don't yeah. know if it's intentional. I don't know if it was just like an alternate shot because by the time they're coming head to head in in the in the middle of the building, like Zod is full on like moon stomping towards Superman, and I was like, okay, yeah. that that's dope. But why the hell is he crawling up at like King Kong? I can kind of because if I recall, and I you know I just rewatched it the other night. I rewatched it last isn't night. Isn't it? It was like he is still kind of in the middle of adapting mm-hmm. to the Earth, and you know, getting those same powers that Kal El did. Right. But it's still like, so I kind of get the perspective they were going for, but yeah, it doesn't change the fact that it's it just kind of looks odd. It it it's it's a choice, and it's not. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm not saying it's even ugly. It's just one thing that ever since I've seen the movie, that's just one thing that always stuck to me. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, that's one scene, one tiny scene in the entirety of that two and a half hour epic mm-hmm. where I'm just like, mm, nope. And I, and I can see like, um, for some, for some people, they don't like the fact that like when he, when they do the flashbacks, it's kind of constantly intercut with like present day stuff. But for me, that oh, works that. because love, you're slowly, as you're getting to know the present Clark, you're getting a perspective of what he went through as a kid. So it's like, for me, that works. I mean, you can make the debate it takes the Batman Begins formula. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Batman and, Begins does the same thing. Yeah, it does. And where's the criticism on that? I didn't see that. Non-existent. Very non-existent. I find that also very funny. But you're right. Like, I think opening the movie with the the birth of Superman is even more just... What's the right words I want to use here? It's very um, fitting. Because mm-hmm. you, you, you can't have 
a DC universe without a Superman. Yep. And it all kind of starts with him anyway. Yep. So I, I found that very thematically elegant. And to even start, I really enjoyed that whole, to start it off on Krypton. Yeah. And really spend some time on Krypton and getting to see that whole thing play out. I really liked it. I That is something I honestly thought we would never see in live action. I honestly thought just the idea and the perspective of Krypton and like what went on on there. I didn't, if we ever got another Superman live action film, I just, for some reason for me, I don't, I didn't think we would ever get that. So to actually see that play out was awesome. Well, in the 78 movie, it's only like the first five minutes or so. Yeah, Yeah, it's very quick. Yeah. And I will say that that even the homages to seventy eight in this were were really tasteful. Yes, like I I do believe that both in the seventy eight flick and this movie, um, predominantly everything is below surface, savor a few other locations that are above surface. Yeah, that much is very inherent to to the planet of Krypton. Um, but even and- like, go ahead. I was just going to say, and I'm sorry, Russell Crowe is Jor-El. I was just getting to that, yeah. Perfect casting. Yeah. I thought I thought he nailed Jor-El. You know, I found it weird that some criticisms that people had with Jor-El was like, oh, he's not a fighter. I'm like, what? He's a sign. He's a... Yeah, what are you talking about? What? <laughs> it's like, that's, that's, that's kind of a goofy criticism to have, but, yeah. you know, hey, you do you. So, when, when, when was Jor-El ever a fighter? Right, like, we're, we're talking about a completely different fictional race of, of beings here. Like, he, as far yeah. as I'm concerned, he, he can be whatever he wants to be. Yes, scientists should be on, on the docket, sure, but, like, yeah. who's to say a scientist doesn't know how to defend themselves? Right. <laughs> Funny enough, actually, the uh, the guard, the Kryptonian guard on, on Zod's side who, who takes uh, Jor-El before, he, he, before Jor-El, like, pulls a fast one and, and gets a hold of Keelix... Is actually Richard Citrone, who who's the stunt double for Batman and Batman v Superman, and I believe he might also oh, really? be the stand-in for Non too. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's Richard Citrone and Zack Snyder worked on a lot of different movies together. They're they're very close, very good friends. But yeah, I believe he he was um, the mocap for uh, for Non. He might have been the mocap for. I think Darkseid and Steppenwolf in certain in certain scenes. Um, I know Kieran Hans was definitely was definitely Steppenwolf for for some of the stand-in work. No, you know what? I think Richard Citrone was the stand-in for Darkseid. No, actually, no. Might have been. I know in certain scenes they they change off because I know for sure Ray Porter was was also on scene in a, in a suit to play Darkseid. But then also Richard Citrone also did like, you know, some stunt work there for, for Steppenwolf and possibly Darkseid. I, I don't remember. The details are kind of fuzzy. But the point is, Richard Citrone has often worked with Zack Snyder on nearly every movie that they've made together. Hmm. But yes, he is also the guard that escorts Jor-El to wherever he thinks he's going until Keelix helps him and he pulls a fast one. Interesting. Very interesting. Um... I also think, like, one thing this film absolutely accomplished 
was reintroducing Superman to a modern audience. Absolutely. And modernizing the character of Superman. A character that, in terms of... Because in comics, in comics, he's kind of, obviously, like any comic book character, he's had his ups and downs. And in terms of film, you know, you're, you've got Christopher Reeves, you got Brandon Ruth, and then you have Henry Cavill's Superman. And you can definitely see that this one, this is the one that is the most human out of all of them, I would say. Oh, 100%. I think this movie absolutely nails the Clark Kent aspect before moving on to the Clark Kent journalist aspect. And I think, and I was thinking about this before we started, and I, I honestly think that is part of the reason why this film is called Man of Steel. Because yeah. it is really focusing on the man aspect. Mm-hmm. That he is a person, that he is a human, well, a, a being. He is, he's got emotions, he's got things that he is going to go through and build through to become Superman. Right. And I think, honestly, some of the, the weirder criticisms levied toward this, I mean, specifically one that comes to mind immediately is, is the whole conversation with, with Jonathan Kent after he saves a bus full of kids. Yeah. Oh man. Yep. The the maybe conversation. The maybe. Yep. And to me, that is it's intercut with an with an earlier scene where you know he he's kind of debating on on whether or not he should step in and and stop this woman from getting groped, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe it's intercut with something else. I my my brain is fried eggs right now. <laughs> but you know, like like to the point like he 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 saves a bus full of kids at the age of 13 right and then you know unfortunately the mother of a child the child that witnesses it is pete ross pete ross tells his mom and his mom and pete ross show up at the kent farm and they're like it's an act of god jonathan you know pete saw it lana lang saw it too another little easter egg there for longtime Superman fans um and jonathan's like well you know maybe your kid just saw something just kind of trying to brush it off right and then he goes out and has that conversation with Clark. And he, he tells him, like, look, dude, you, you have to keep this side of yourself a secret. Yep. Right? And 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 Clark asks him the very honest question of, like, well, what should I have done, Dad? Should I have let them die? And to everyone's misinterpretation of this scene, yeah, he says maybe he hesitates. And then he... he has, could... That's the key part right there. Yep. He hesitates. It's not like he just went... Maybe. Like, right away. And it's not like he said it with any kind of, like, malicious intent. The dude is struggling with his answer. Right. And on top of that, he's not saying maybe because he wanted the kids to die. Exactly. He's saying it because he wants his son to be safe. Mm-hmm. He knows that whatever his son is capable of, it's gonna change the world. Yeah. He is aware that he has a effing alien right with him right that is starting to show abilities that we have never seen before right now <laughs> you can make the argument that the the line written dialogue whatever is clunky you can say it's it's poorly delivered that's your interpretation that's fine to me Every time I've watched this movie, I have never once looked at that conversation and thought negatively of it. Same. Because, to me, 
if I were myself in that position and I had an adopted child who was showcasing some level of, of physical prowess and some very odd things happening, like he's able to see through your body and shit, right? Like uh, that's something they established earlier on in the movie where young Clark was having these really freak out moments of just seeing ins and outs of people and his powers were just out of control because he couldn't control his sensory motor skills and it's just baffling right mm-hmm. you know but but to that point like 30 or not 30 but th- th- this young kid is just like he's struggling with this idea of like you know should i've done the right thing should i've not done the right thing like what is the right thing in this situation and his father's like look i'm not telling you to not do the right thing what i'm saying is is there are consequences to the mm-hmm. things that you specifically have the power to do. Like whatever you exactly. decide, whatever kind of man you decide to be Clark, he's going to change the world forever. And that, that one line rings through to not only the three movies that, that Zack Snyder had made, but also continuing on to the un- two, the two unmade Justice League films that were planned. Which then leads to even more of an understanding of another scene that this film got heavily criticized on the death of Jonathan Kent. Right. Where everyone's like, oh, well, he could have quickly flew over and grabbed his dad and brought him back and everything would be okay. Yeah, no. That's the point. The point is he wanted to do that, but Jonathan still being afraid of how the world would react to his son sacrificed himself yep. to keep his son's secret hidden. That was the whole god damn point of the scene and it's just like oh that was such a stupid scene he could have easily saved him and that it's like you're just you're just grasping at straws at this point Mm. you know what my biggest issue with that scene is Mm. it's not even with the scene itself it's it's the way people word it superman would never okay let me stop you Isn't, right there. Yep. Yep. You're 100% right. I know what you're going to say. I'm going to stop you all right there right now. He's not Superman yet. So really. He's, he's still a goddamn teenager. Yeah. Not only is he a teenager, but he's a teenager grappling with this this great power and responsibility. No Spider-Man pun intended there. Mm-hmm. But seriously, like, like he's struggling with this idea of what he wants to do with his life and what he should do with his life because at this point, this is the last conversation he has with his father too and they're having like this big blowout argument. He's like, I don't want to be a farmer. I don't want to do, I want to do something more with my life and, and yep. Jonathan's like, well, what, farming's not good? Feeding people's not good enough for you? And Clark just has like the, the sheer balls and audacity to be like, you know, I don't even know why I'm having this conversation with you. You're not even my dad. You're just the guy who found me. Yep. And then that scene leads to Jonathan going you know what you're right we're not your parents but we've been making this up as long as we go but maybe that's just not good enough anymore and then before Clark even has a chance to like genuinely apologize and respond because you know what he just said just kind of hurt his dad's feelings a little bit but also his dad was just superbly real with him in that moment too Uh like that tornado comes and he's just like well shit the last conversation I had with my dad was not at all the one I wanted or expected to and I honestly even though it wasn't even shown on screen I feel like that right there was was the push for Clark to be like I need to figure out who I am yeah 
100%. Now, it's interesting that this is the only Snyder DC film that does not have a director's cut. Yeah, you're right. Honestly, I never, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been kind of baffled by it, too. Yeah. Yeah, that one's eluded That's... me for a long time. I don't, I don't know why that that film, this one specifically, doesn't have a director's cut. I feel like this is the one he was most satisfied with. Well, and also, maybe was this out of his film? Was this the one that WB gave him the most creative control on? And very well could be because it was the first one. Oh, it was a very collaborative effort. You know, you had yeah. Christopher Nolan there kind of shepherding him in and, and being the one to bring in Zack Snyder to direct the project initially. So I think Warner Brothers was courting Nolan to direct a Superman movie, and he was just like, mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. After yeah. just doing three Batman movies, no, I don't want to direct a Superman movie. No. And honestly, to, to be 100% transparent, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure that not only would he want to, but could he even make it feasible? Yeah. Because, again, his sensibilities are so grounded in reality that I don't... How could he make something like Superman work? Right. And I just with, don't... With with his perspective. That's exactly. Thing. Exactly. And I just don't see that those two ideas mesh well. But I do think that him and Goyer kind of cracking out an idea of, like, you know, what if... What if Superman showed up today? Like, that was mm-hmm. the, the general idea of their pitch. Like, what if he showed up today? How would the world receive him? And what would what kind of consequences would come with that? And obviously, some consequences come in the form of public opinion. Other consequences come in the form of a more physical manifestation like General Zod. Yeah. So there really is a lot of thematic things going on with this film, too, in, in certain respects as well. Like, even going from, like, Jonathan Kent being a, kind of a spirit guide telling clark like you know you're gonna have to make a choice to stand proud next to the human race or against us like there are just a lot of different things there that that really emulate you know the core of who i think superman should be absolutely because obviously in in this film and subsequent films there is no fortress of solitude it's all internalized and it's all within the inside of his mind right because the only person he ever talks to is his father yeah which i find very interesting um, but yeah like th- this movie in particular just has a lot going for it and it does lay the foundation for the DCU really well I think too well and it's it, it's just so interesting to see this with this being the beginning it really does throughout the entire film you know you see this man struggle by the time the film ends and he's kind of come to terms with who he's going to be going forward, there is just this huge sense of hope going into it, going into the end. And it's so interesting that that's kind of how the DCEU started hope. There was a lot of hope there. Oh, yeah. Like the movie literally ends with Clark Kent getting a job at the Daily Planet. Exactly. Which I thought was a touch of brilliance as the way they showed him putting on his disguise. Like they had him ride the bike over to the Daily Planet. They had him walk by the big planet logo and then like mm-hmm. as he's getting in the elevator you see him pull out the glasses but you don't actually see him put them on and like the first time you see Clark Kent as a reporter is literally in the last shot of the movie in the last scene of the movie yep where Lombard's like or not Lombard but Perry White's like oh I should meet our new stringer 
Lane, teach him the ropes, blah, blah, blah. But even Lois Lane, being the, the devout reporter she is, she's like, yeah, I know who he is. And that's, another, <laughs> that's also another thing I, I actually really did appreciate about not only this movie, but the, the, the movie, the universe, is that, that, the universe that followed through with, with a lot of how the characters operated. They didn't really give too much of a shit about secret identities. Absolutely. Yep. I'm kind of over that trope in superhero movies, if I'm being mm-hmm. really honest. Now, granted, I think in certain cases, it should be enforced. It should absolutely yeah. be enforced. Like, um, oh, for sure. For example, like you can write it around Batman to some extent. And mm-hmm. I think with Superman, you can even be a little more loose with it because obviously there's a lot of history there from the comics that you can pull from where he does in fact have his identity known to a few select people. For instance, like um, Lois Lane. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I actually really like that this relationship between the two of them was forged so early in the movie to the point where they don't need to he doesn't need to keep a a secret identity from her exactly that to me was always kind of a ridiculous thing trope whatever even just for superman in general outside of the trunks i was actually just about i was gonna bring that up the the some of the again i can kind of see eye to eye on people with some of their criticisms of this film the fact that this film started such a discourse over the fact that Superman didn't have red trunks on, good God almighty. Who cares? The <laughs> fact that so many people were vehemently against this film over the fact that Superman didn't have a pair of red underwear on absolutely baffles me. Not only is it baffling, but it's also resurfaced again in wake of James yeah. Gunn making a Superman movie. People are asking him every day, are trunks or no trunks? Trunks or no oh, trunks? Oh, Lord. And it's just like, why do you guys care so much about his crotch area? <laughs> I, why does this have some kind of impact on you in any way, shape, or form? Like, what does it really matter if he's wearing trunks on the outside or not? Like, like seriously, please, <laughs> please give me one good reason why, other than aesthetic, why he needs to wear underwear on the outside of his costume because it's like how it was back in the day i said give me a good reason (laughs) because dot 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 yeah right that's literally it no no one can give you a legitimately good reason why the underwear on the outside works because (laughs) it just doesn't anymore i'm sorry it it doesn't it hasn't for a very long time and i'm so glad they did not put it in this film i am kind of curious to see if james gunn will use trunks or not yeah, that will be interesting to see, to be honest. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. The movie's a bit over a year away before it's being released, so we'll see what happens. But to bring it back to Man of Steel, I actually really like that his suit was majority blue and then the centerpiece was just tied to a little silver buckle. Yeah, yep. That was dope. No, gold. It was gold and Man of Steel and it was silver and BBS. Yes, 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 yes. So... And even, I think, one of the other highlights of this movie, I think, was probably on a lot of people's list, is the, the first flight he has after he has that conversation with Jarrell on the crashed ship. And the uh, goosebumps. North, yeah. He says, you know, you won't know how strong you are until you just keep testing your limits. Yeah. And I love that because, you know, there's some, some discord among anime fans and comic book fans of, like, who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman. And I'm like, well, Goku breaks limits, Superman doesn't have any limits. So it seems... Yep. 
pretty obvious which one's going to win there, if you ask me. Yeah, the only thing that I kind of, like, that's the only, like, I, again, I love the trailer number three. I absolutely adore it. The only thing, I just wish it didn't show, like, the whole, like, beginning of that flight scene. I wanted to experience that in theaters for the first time. But still, nonetheless, it's an amazing scene. I think it's intercut with the Hans music really well, too. Yes, it is. It is very much cut with his music being a part of it. I also really like... Um, man, I just had it, I just had it in my head. Now I don't remember what it was going to be. Damn it. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Anyway, <laughs> I think that this movie is up there in terms of like, you know, best comic book film ever made or best superhero origin story ever made. I mean, on a on a personal solo level, it's without a shadow of a doubt my favorite Superman movie. Mm-hmm. Ah, leaps and bounds. There is... <laughs> I honestly, I can't say that any of the, the previous even come close. I also really did like... I don't know why a lot of people are saying this now, but I, I did like the chemistry between Henry Cavill and, a, and Amy Adams. Yeah, me too. I, I don't understand the vitriol and criticisms lobbied her way or like the, this whole notion that she's too old for him. I'm just like, well, Superman's not <laughs> Earth. He's not human anyway, so does it really matter? I don't think it does, personally. And then, of course, there is the probably the number one well no number two I, I know another one that's like kind of the top criticism of the film but definitely in a close second is the destruction in the film oh yeah the the usual oh why didn't he lead them away from civilians why, why didn't he didn't do what he... the avengers did yeah <laughs> right. right it's just man i'm so sick of that i am so sick of that argument it's like let me get this straight you can sit here as a comic book fan bitch and moan about there being that much destruction in a live action movie but the minute superman backhands dark side in the animated series and sends him flying through a couple different <laughs> yeah. buildings yeah it's totally fine right yeah and people okay. say that's one of their absolute favorite superman moments of all time which is ironic right <laughs> I mean, seriously, like the amount of, of nonsensical arguments I have seen made towards Zack Snyder, not only for existing, but just for making movies, is mm -hmm. just nothing short of hilarious to me because people are just genuinely either jealous or sad at the fact that this guy got to play in a toy box, which I'm sure they probably give a left testicle nut to play in. Yeah, it's just, it's so funny to me that people, for some reason, with just this superhero film have some kind of problem with the amount of destruction that's in it that i just don't get it and i think it really is that whole people went into this with the perspective of oh superman is like you said the boy scout so he's going to do whatever he can to save every single person he can this is not that superman this is this is Clark's first encounter with beings from his planet. Right. It's his first experience fighting, really. If you really think about it, it's his first fight ever against beings that have the same strength as him. So, obviously, there is going to be collateral damage. Right. And they also have brought machines to the planet to terraform it. Right. 
there's gonna be destruction. Yeah, I never understood the 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 complaint of too much destruction in in this film, and even in the in the sequel. Like it, it it's like you you guys know what this director is capable of and known for. Right. So so why are you seriously sitting here trying to act surprised when he does the thing you don't like, but you continue to watch for reasons? Like I just I find it very baffling indeed. They are battling giant machines that the whole goal of the machines is to terraform the planet and erase everything that's on the planet currently right there's gonna be some destruction and there's gonna be some death i'm sorry hate to break it to you but that's what's gonna happen when you're dealing with something like that right and you even just drive that point home even further like we're talking about a being who can who just showed you all he can fly and move (laughs) giant buildings (laughs) so who can fly, who can punch somebody and send them flying miles across, who can shoot lasers out of his eyes. Right. Bring it back to the destruction porn of Man of Steel. Like, I just... It's never really been an issue for me. The destruction porn one is, is a little flaky now because, obviously, like, going back to the initial point of the film that David Goyer and Nolan had presenting superman from a realistic world perspective what exactly does that mean right and and with that kind of revelation would come with some sort of consequence you know these these other beings that are like you who are trapped in the phantom zone for good reason and now they have found your planet and they feel like Terrett doing exactly what their initial plans were by they i mean the old company from before in order to terraform the planet like that that's their ultimate end game is they want a new home for all of kryptonian survivors to live on yep it's very much a kind of a bit of a narcissistic thing well and then it, it just a, a grad it it gravitates to the point where by the time you know kal-el makes the decision right. you know there's that that scene with him and zod where zod's like if you destroy this machine there is no chance for Krypton. And he just, he looks at him and he says, Krypton had had its its chance. chance. Right. And destroys it. And sure enough, that drives Zod over the edge. And he just goes insane and just basically says, from this point on, you destroyed my purpose in life. From this point on, my whole goal is to is to make everything about for you miserable i'm going to destroy everything you hold dear unless you can stop me yeah and this leads what i was kind of hinting at the number one probably the most divisive moment in the entire film yeah it's on my list too yep when he snaps zod's neck right and for me i'm just like what else did you want him to do I remember being in the theater when that happened. I was just kind of taken mm-hmm. aback by it a little bit. I was like, whoa. I was stunned, but I'm just like, what, again, what else was he supposed to do? Right. Like, what what exactly is he supposed to do? Because you established earlier on in the movie that if you put his if you put someone's eyes in front of him while he uses his heat vision, it's mm-hmm. going to burn, and it's going to, like, make yep. them want to move their hands. So you can't, put, can't cover his eyes. That's not going to yep. do you any good. And so... That, that is the question, like, what do you do next? And I feel like introducing Zod to carry that out 
was actually really smart because he it shows the two different kinds of Kryptonians you're dealing with. You have the natural born Krypton Kryptonian mm-hmm. from Kal-El, then you have the artificially created one in the form of Zod, where he's literally bred to be a warrior. Yep. And that last fight between them is as destructive as it may be. And here's where the Batman connections come in. Um, when Zod is flipping him around with the rope or flipping him around with the cape, throws Superman up. Superman lands on a satellite. You know who belongs to that? You know who satellite belongs to? Yep, Wayne Enterprises. Bruce Wayne, that's right. Yep. And then, when Zod figures out his heat vision for the first time, yep. behind Superman, if you look very closely as the ground begins to collapse, there's a sign that says, keep calm and call Batman. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. I didn't know that. Yes, there is. <laughs> and on top of that, did you know the Wayne Enterprises satellite was put in the movie deliberately to thank Christopher Dolan for helping him on the Man of Steel project? Oh, really? That's yeah. cool. <laughs> because obviously Nolan did the Dark Knight franchise, so it's just it was just a courtesy thank you, which was really cool. But yeah, that that neck snap, it rattled a lot of cages with a lot of Superman fans, and I'm just like, you've watched the guy kill people from an alternate universe with a box of Krypton Kryptonite, uh-huh. like. He's Why are strange. you bothered by this? <laughs> he well, and the thing is, he made it very apparent to Clark again with that scene, the scene where he's like telling him what his plan is, and Clark's like, "Well, what's going to happen to Earth?" And he's standing on a <laughs> a floor of skulls. Kal-el knows what Zod is already. That was before he went nuts. Now, his whole goal is to destroy everything. And I love the people, again, the nitpicks. The whole, the scene, because he's shooting the beam and there's like a family huddled in a corner. Yeah. And the beam is getting closer and closer to them. And I love the criticism that people are like, well, they could have just ran. No. (laughs) They're terrified. They're in a destroyed city. They have a heat, this heat blast heading their way. What else are they supposed to do? Right? I don't... They are in absolute shock that their whole world has turned upside down. I just don't get it. I don't think I ever will either. I just, you know, let people be these days. Yeah, but again, like, once he snaps his neck, I just knew, I remember seeing that scene and just going, oh boy, people are going to be mad about that. Dude, people were even mad about him taking clothes from a clothesline after he saved a bunch of people from an oil rig. Yep. <laughs> like, I think we've said it before here, but people just like to hate things now. They don't even have any critical thought going into these conversations anymore. Which I find kind of sad, to be brutally honest with you. Yeah, and the fact that there were even... Because I did look into this when I was, like, looking at this scene. The fact that you actually had artists and people who were involved with superman in the past questioning that like i i have actually read that grant morrison actually didn't like the fact he kind of questioned the need for superman to kill zod and the fact that someone like neil adams came out and said you know why couldn't there, there were other alternatives why couldn't he have just put his hand over zod's heat vision like are, come on dude you know the character. Are you for real? It's funny you say that because I've got a Neil Adams signed poster up on my wall right now. 
And I think actually, uh, let me see. Yeah, it's in my notes. He was also he was one of the people that criticized the fact he he didn't understand why didn't Superman lead the battle away from Metropolis? Why didn't he do it like he did in Superman two? I'm like, you're talking about a movie made in the freaking late seventies, my dude. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's some really lofty and weak criticisms thrown towards this movie a lot that I see, and I just kind of shrug it off at this point. There's really yeah. nothing nothing more to get mad about. I mean, you know, depending on how you feel about the movie, I don't think anyone's ever going to change anyone else's mind about it. Not at this point. Not if we're point, no. if we're this many, uh, again, we talked about it earlier, the fact that people still to this day still got to get on their social media and drag down Batman v Superman and it's been this long right you're you're not gonna it's not gonna change nope especially for a film like this not at all and i mean you know to round it out like i think everyone in the cast was cast pretty perfect too i mean henry cavill is superman yeah lois lane is 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 wow lois lane <laughs> amy adams is lois lane there we yeah, go yeah, yeah. right like <laughs> i just that up royally <laughs> michael shannon is general zod i thought it was awesome yeah yeah he was great although he's i a, he's I a am... go ahead, go ahead yeah, i was just gonna say he's up there with heath ledger as like one of the best villains on screen ever uh, yeah the only thing because i remember when i looked into it a while back when i was looking at stuff on man of steel i have always kind of wondered because i remember one of the names that was kind of floating around or that they were interested or considered for the role of zod was daniel day lewis and i'm just like ooh, what could that have looked like I remember hearing but, about that but shannon killed it as zod he was a great he was calm and collected but just those eyes of his you just always knew that there was something sinister going on behind those eyes well even when he's like staring down people in general he's just got this really ice cold <laughs> yeah. look to him right like he yeah. just has no remorse whatsoever yep. yeah like michael mike Michael Shannon Zod is is arguably one of, if not the best villain in the DC Extended Universe. Yeah, I mean, really, I can't think of anybody that topped him. Like, he set the bar, and I think Ewan McGregor came pretty close. Ewan McGregor, and then, I mean, obviously it was awesome seeing Darkseid in Snyder's Justice League, but we never got to see what Darkseid was truly capable of. Right. Had had we gotten those films, I bet you anything, Darkseid would be up there. I agree. Wholeheartedly, yeah. Until then, I'll, I'll take Steppenwolf. Yeah. And uh, and again, as far as casting goes, Lawrence Fishburne is Perry White. Right. Yes, please. Yeah. Definitely more of that, but somehow I don't think that's going to be the case. No, no, no. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I Like I said earlier, I have nothing really bad or ugly to say about this film Mm-mm. it has a lot of accomplishments for it like it, you know it's the first modernized superman film it's got a really great lead in the form of henry cavill it's got you know it's it's the beginning of the dcu with Zack snyder it's just got a lot of really solid elements to it that i think make worth thing make 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 it worth the theater trip for and i i gotta give them credit at even back then I am so glad, even though they brought Zimmer on, I am so glad that they did not reuse the Superman theme. Oh, me too. The classic Superman theme for this film. It did not need it. It would not have fit. 
it would not have matched the tone they were going for for this film. Oh yeah, so I'm so glad they did not put it in there. But yeah, this this movie has a lot of flavors to it too, despite having a, a bit of a muted cutter palette. <laughs> Weirdly yeah. enough. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. But yeah, I I genuinely enjoy this movie both as a Superman movie, as a DC movie, um, and as far as like ranking it, as far as the DCEU goes, it, 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 like I mentioned in our in our retrospective episode where we, we go over everything, I think on any given day it could be my number one, it could be my number two, it could be my number three. Haven't really like settled on it. I think my list goes. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, Man of Steel, and Batman vs Superman right now. Even though Batman vs Superman is probably without a doubt my favorite comic book film ever made, I just think the other two are more tight in terms of like editing, pacing, character development, story, all that other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, Man of Steel still is my number one. Um, like I said, Zack Snyder's Justice League is just like it's like right there. It's like right on the edge of number two and number one but man of steel just left such an impression on me even back then when it came out and it still leaves an impression now of just again just hope that that sense of hope that this film puts into it and ends on it's just man it's just it's such a strong start to this universe and it, it really is it is such a shame that the studio let it just kind of go out on a whimper when it yeah. started off when it started off with such a roar. Yeah, I can't I can't disagree with anything you just said. Like this movie is without a doubt one of my favorites. It's great. It's very inspirational. It's got all the hope mixed in with it where he didn't even mm-hmm. need to smile all that often, even though he kinda does smile more in this movie than I think the other two which is kind of a weird complaint to have. Superman doesn't smile enough in a movie. All right, I guess. Yeah. Kind of a I dumb, mean it, it, kind of... it's some it's summed up perfectly in that scene between him and Lois when she's looking at him in the costume. Yeah. Like well, what's the S stand for? Well, on my planet it's not an S. It stands for hope. Yep. She goes, "How about super and then she's cut off." Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just Honestly, if I had, like, any disappointment, it's that, you know, there was only one villain. It was, like, General Zod, but even still, I feel like that was more than enough. Yeah. Honestly, um, if you had you thrown in any other villain, like, yeah, maybe we could have, maybe you could have had Lex Luthor in there somewhere, but what would he have done? I know one villain I would include. Who's that? If you're going to do it all and go big or go home, I would have done Brainiac. Mm, okay. Brainiac and Zod. I would have done a Brainiac Zod combo. That would have been interesting. But I do also think that the Kryptonian army he had to take out in that movie was was more than enough to keep him yeah. busy. Because like <laughs> him trying to tackle that again, his first confrontation. Yeah. He's gonna take on that and Brainiac. Whew, I don't know if he could come out of that. But yeah, like I have nothing bad to say about this film. It's one of my favorites. It's one of Craig's favorites. Yep. It's easily one of the one of the highlights of the DC Extended Universe. It, it started everything off and kicked everything off with quite the bang. Made an impression on me as a younger man. It made an impression on yep. Craig. It made an impression on thousands of different people all across such the a, globe. Such a strong start. Absolutely. One of the strongest starts, I would say. And, and honestly, like, man, I don't 
it's a, it set the bar. I feel like since this movie hit the bar so high, good luck to anyone making a Superman movie in the future to reach, if not surpass that bar. Yeah. It is going to be a train ride to try and do something like that. And actually, now kind of thinking about it, you think of the start of the DCEU and the start of the MCU mm-hmm. with Iron Man. I'm sorry. Like, Iron Man is, is fun. Man of Steel ha- has so much more impact on me than that film ever will. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I kind of look at both films as the, the precursor starting points for their respective universe, and I honestly feel like Man of Steel is a much stronger start. Yeah. Personally. Um, the MCU had its start with Iron Man, and I was like, yeah, this is cool. That's actually the only one I did not see in the, in the theater. I started my MCU Iron Man? With, yeah, I did not see Iron Man in the theater. That was the only one I did not see. I saw everything from Incredible Hulk onward. And then for DC, I saw from everything Man of Steel onward, except for Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and Wonder Woman 84 for certain reasons yeah but um i think that's kind of all i have to say about man of steel yeah and i think we covered it pretty well we we covered you know the high points the quote-unquote low points that people seem to think that i just i sorry i just can't see eye to eye on that that for me there's little to no low points in this film yeah, and I also, to just kind of touch back on another earlier point we made in the last episode, the, the notion of an overblown failure. This movie, by no means... Yeah, oh, come on, yeah. ...didn't fail. <laughs> this movie is nope. not a failure, I'm sorry. Regardless of how you feel about the character of Superman, I don't at all firmly believe that this was a, a, a character failure of a movie at all. And I'm sorry, and this is one of the ones, too, where you clearly see a divide between critical reception and audience reception, where... I think this film has like a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I'm just like, okay. Yes. But then you look at the um, the audience response and it like, I think it has like an average of like an A minus. So obviously audiences really enjoyed this film. Yeah. Yeah, I can't disagree. I mean, obviously the audience score is a lot higher than the critic score. I mean, critics, I think, I feel like we're, we're just kind of aiming for it in certain respects. But hey, it I enjoy the movie. I know you enjoy the movie. Yep. That's all that really matters. Absolutely. And it's kind of also interesting that that this was the first film in the DC Extended Universe, and then now the DCU will be kicked off officially by a film that also features Superman in it. Yeah. And I'm very curious to see what the tone will be and what kind of feelings that Superman is going to start us off with with this new universe. According to Rachel Brosnan, is going to be more humorous. Mm, okay. Yeah, I, I get it. I know exactly yeah. what what you're kind of trying to go for there when you when yep. you say you know you're doing Superman in a humorous function. I I completely get where you're going for him now. I yeah. Yep. I get it. Um, I'm sure we'll discuss more on that as the episodes go on, or if something else happens within the next you know couple weeks or so. But my friend Craig, where can people find you if they wish to follow along? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and threads as Craigie Omega, C-R-A-I-G-G-Y underscore O-M-E-G-A. All right. And if you all want to follow me, just at unfiltered uh, Twitter, or sorry, not not Twitter. I'm brain, <laughs> brain scrambled fried. Not Twitter or X, but you can uh, find me on Vero, Instagram, threads, and Blue Sky. All same tag, unfiltered. And if you all want to follow the show, 
T-E-K underscore podcast. That's both on Instagram and Facebook. And if you guys want to send us an email, eternalnightpod at gmail.com. Also, feel free to leave us any star review on Spotify or just leave us a review on iTunes. It helps get the show noticed. Other than that, I think that is where we're going to put the cape up for the night. Pun intended. Yeah, for a Batman podcast, we're uh, we're being very nice to Superman this episode. Well, I wouldn't not be <laughs> nice to Superman. So there's that. We're not we're not Suicide Squad kills the Justice League. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he'll. Uh, uh. <laughs> anyway, uh, take care, everyone. Have a great day or night. Thank you for listening. Stay safe, and as we always like to say, keep classing the cave. Take care. <laughs> is not affiliated with Warner Brothers Discovery or DC Studios. If you would like to follow along with the show, you can do so. At, just search for T-E-K underscore podcast on X, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to listen to the show, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. If you'd like to leave us an email, feel free to do so at eternalnightpod at gmail.com. Thank you for your time. Is it really surprising that the most powerful man in the world should be a figure of controversy? We, as a population on this planet, have been looking for a savior. We're talking about a being alien whose very existence they are not telling us the truth. challenges our own sense of priority in the universe. Human beings have a horrible track record of Tragedy. following people with great power. power corrupts. And absolute power, power corrupts absolutely. Chaos. Maybe he's just a guy trying to do the right no, thing. We know better now, don't we? Devils don't come from hell beneath us. They brought their warrior. No, they come from the sky. The world has been so caught up with what he can do that no one has asked what he should do. Go on, go on, go on, go on. That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. <laughs> <laughs>